911, what's your emergency? 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Welcome to the PIO Podcast, a place to discuss all public information-related topics for police, fire, EMS, and local and federal government organizations. It was a good learning experience for a lot of us that, that social media is not real life. But we have to remember the media are very rarely a target audience. They're simply that conduit. Our words have impacts on individuals and it may not be positive. So just be just being thoughtful and mindful of the words that we speak. I think what's so interesting about this position too and this job and this profession is that um, every one of us is looking for purpose. And when we find it here, that's it. To know is that a crisis for one is not necessarily a crisis for another. This episode is sponsored by the Social Media Strategy Summit, the leading provider of social media education. They host annual events designed specifically for government communications professionals like you to help you build and engage your communities through social media. Visit their website at socialmediastrategiesummit.com to learn more and use promo code PIO podcast for 10% off of your registration. Good afternoon. Today on the PIO podcast, we have Lieutenant Shane Foley from the Indianapolis Metro Police Department. Shane, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. You know, Shane, I really appreciate that. I tried to get you on earlier last year, and uh, you were a little busy. You were tied up at the National Academy, and we'll go into that uh, later on. So you supervise the Metro PD, the Indianapolis Metro PD Public Affairs Unit. How long have you been in that unit, and how is it staffed? Been in the unit for just over two years. We've got four police officers, one lieutenant, one sergeant, two patrol officers, a professional staff member, chief communication officer who used to work in news, and then one videographer. Wow, you got quite a, a decent sized compliment there. So let me ask you this. How big is what's the population of Indianapolis? I'm sure everybody knows where that's at, but what's the population of the city and what's the sworn versus civilian? Uh, size of the department. Yeah, we're just under 900,000 in the city. We've got about 1,550 sworn and just under 200 non-sworn professional staff. Wow. So a, a very large size agency in a, in a, you know, almost a million population. That's, that's amazing. And on top of it, you guys are, you have two ma- major highway corridors going right through the center of your town, correct? Uh, we've got more than that. Uh, we've got, I think, four. Four. Okay. I know 65 is one. 70, 74, 65, and 69. Okay. So you got a lot of them coming, and which means that you're pretty much getting traffic from everywhere. Yeah, we are. Uh, all across the country. You recently graduated from the National Academy. How was that experience? And did they, I know they have stuff in there for public information. What was your experience with? Yeah, it was a really good experience. You know, some of the best experience was meeting people from across the world, you know, not just across the country, but across the world, you know, places like Morocco and Maldives. Uh, learned a lot while I was there. You know, one of the best components was uh, Ken and Gail's uh, media relations component. Mm-hmm. 
you know, I feel like I had a leg up on a lot of people that were there, but I, but I learned a lot and we brought some of that back and we had a training program for PIOs across the Midwest that was free for them to attend. And we brought some of the material from, from that training back to Indiana and was able to share those with other people. Let me ask you this. You, you have a very large, and I'm going off, uh, off the questions here, but you have a very large PIO contingent. In other words, if something big happens in town, you've got a fairly decent amount of backup, but do you rely at all on like ISP or anything like that or one of the other agencies locally? Yeah, we did, particularly during the FedEx shooting we had mm-hmm. a couple years ago. Uh, John Prine from the Indiana State Police was very instrumental and helped out a lot. So it's a, it's a team effort. You know, we help others that are local and in the area and if needed, they're willing to step up and help us as well. Excellent. Excellent. So, I mean, that's really the kind of the way it's going with a lot of agencies is to realize that you have to reach out and utilize what, what's available because not everybody can do it by themselves. It's impossible. So while he was, uh, Oh, I got to ask this social media platforms. What are you guys utilizing? Uh, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Okay. Um, how is LinkedIn, is it more of a recruitment site for you guys or is it everything? Uh, we, we put more of our professional material, you know, officer spotlights, uh, series before the badge, uh, some of those things that highlight the good work of our officers and then for recruiting. So while I was doing the research on you, I came across the police one article and it caught my eye and I see that since 2020, you guys have been doing critical incident videos. My agency has just started doing them. Um, we're one of the first agencies in Colorado to do them. And I want to, I want to kind of talk on that. So we did a lot of work with the community on these videos. In other words, to figure out what would work and what, what didn't. So in your three years into these releases, how was the public responded to them? You know, when they first came out, everybody was loved them. It was just something new. It was, we were using body cameras and able to show the incidents that were taking place, particularly in officer involved shootings, but they've expanded to other things. The community still likes them, but we've had a call for more transparency. Well, you're showing us the critical incident video, but show us the entire video. And we think it's pretty important these critical incident videos are, are used because it shows the context of what happened. Can't just show a body camera video and then people understand what took place. They don't know why the police were called, what started the incident, what the next steps are in the investigation process. So there leaves a lot of questions unanswered if you just show the body camera footage. Not only that, but the body camera footage doesn't show, as you know, everything that an officer sees or experiences during an incident. So we use other information, whether it be witness information or video from surveillance videos to kind of help fill in the gaps when we can. How long on average are your videos? They tend to be uh, 10 to 15 minutes. Okay. Which is longer than we'd like. But as this these have developed, that's kind of what we, what we need to do. That's what the community expects is to put more information in and explain more of what's taking place. So we've got a community group who reviews these and gives us feedback on what they like, what they don't like in the videos, whether we should have narration, whether we shouldn't, whether there should be an officer who's actually presenting the information or the chief. 
And they've said, no, we don't want to see an officer in uniform because um, to them that just indicates a sense of bias. Okay. I, that's an interesting idea. Um, so let me ask you this, the time frame from the time of the incident to the time the video gets released, what is that time frame? The goal has been between three to eight weeks. Okay. Uh, we'd like to bring that down some, um, but the process just seems, seems to take some time. But we're trying to bring that down, um, you know, hopefully within six weeks and sooner if we can. Have you run into, and I'm sure you've had to deal with this because we've been dealing with this, is too many fingers in the pot making the decisions on what goes in and what goes out? In some cases, a little bit, yeah. Um, you know, we've got, we get a lot of feedback and that's helpful, but we can't please everybody. Right. Um, we can't make everybody happy. So we, we take what we can and we try to incorporate what we can. Uh, but ultimately if we, if we had too much, if you will, feedback, it would take six months to get one out. The group of, of citizens that you have that advise you on these videos, where do, where do they, what kind of areas in the community? Let's take a quick break. When it comes to influencer marketing, there's a podcast that covers it all that you will want to add to your playlist. The Influence Factor by the Influencer Marketing Factory. They talk about influencer marketing, social media, the creator economy, social commerce, and much, much more. They cover all aspects, including the creator economy, social commerce, the latest trends, the metaverse, TikTok trends, and that's just the beginning. The Influence Factor by the Influencer Marketing Factory. Add the podcast to your playlist right now. Some from come from like a city county council, um, religious leaders, just community group leaders, um, people who are engaged with the police department on different levels. Some people who have said, hey, I don't like what you're doing. And we said, OK, well, come help us make it better. So we brought those individuals in and said, OK, if you don't like what we're doing with these videos, come give us some feedback. So so you can be part of the solution. You didn't just stop with critical incident videos. You guys came up with, you went to that next level with a series called um, Sworn to Serve, correct? Talk, yep. Let's talk about that. What what challenges did you encounter in working to produce that series? Yeah, so what that series is, is we use body camera footage to, to show some really incredible incidents that our officers are engaged with. Uh, you know, I thank Sergeant Nick Ragsdale, from our police department who came up with that name, Sworn to Serve. Some of the challenges that we face is that getting incidents, having officers tell us about or hearing about incidents, some of that is because our officers are just humble and they don't want to be highlighted. Some of it is that they just do the good work and don't think anything of it. Mm -hmm. Like one that we had where officers saved uh, two kids and a woman from the second floor of a fire. And once we learned about it, we put this out and they it gained uh, international attention, but we almost missed that opportunity. Uh, some other issues that we've had are screening for sensitivity issues. You know, as much as it's nice to show kids and helping kids, you know, when they're in crisis or they're victims of crimes, we can't necessarily show some of those incidents. And then probably the last one is active cases. We don't want to get into active criminal cases. So uh, now that we've had body cameras for a couple of years, we're able to get some cases that have been resolved uh, and show show the good work that our officers have done on some of those. Okay. 
All right, I want to I want to follow up. How did you get the buy-in for some of these officers to do this? I know it, that's the toughest thing for any agency to because we front officers, like you said, they're humble. They don't want to talk about them. It's been a little bit easier than I thought. Once we find videos and we go to the officers and say, "Here's some videos we'd like to share," people are kind of like, "Okay," because we, we we say, "Look, we're trying to improve the relationship that we have with the community," and people say, "The public and the media doesn't they don't hear about these good things." This is an opportunity for us to share those stories. So once we hear about the incidents and we get the body camera footage, we've had pretty good buy-in from officers who are willing to share those stories. Okay, great. And so there's another series you guys have, and it's called Why We Serve. Is that correct? No, we don't have a series called Why We Serve. We did a a bit one video called Why We Serve. We've got a couple other series. We've got an officer spotlight, and then we have a before the badge which was an idea we, we stole from an, another agency, uh, which is always the best. The best, the best way to do it, right? Uh, so it was, it was a great idea. And we, we talk about some work that our officers have done before they became police officers, whether it be in school, military, jobs. Um, but why we serve was one video that we did. We used a whiteboard and we went up to officers from different parts of the city, highlighting different um, landmarks in the city, and they just wrote on a whiteboard why they serve the community. We didn't tell them what to write down. Some of the officers had the same messages, which was fine because it was their message. Right. Um, and it, you know, re- really resonated with with the officers who participated uh, because they were able to to share with the community why they serve their community. Okay, great. And did you solicit any feedback from the community about? Any of the videos or, or any of the uh, programs that you guys have come up with to see how they impacted them? Yeah, I mean, we don't want to spend the time doing it if it's not impactful right. for people. Now, it's not going to impact everybody, but we, we've spoken with individuals and the feedback that we've had was, was great. And then really, a lot of this is internal communication, right? Right. We don't always do the best job in the PIO world of uh, building up and communicating internally with our officers. So th- some of this is is highlighting the good work that we do as an agency and not as an agency, but specifically the good work our officers do and showcasing them and lifting them up. And hopefully by doing that, it gives them a sense of pride in, in the work they do. And, and I think it's important, especially as you get larger and larger as an agency, you know, the night shift may not necessarily know what the other division night shift is doing because they're on the opposite end of town. And here you're going to highlight something somebody did that helped bring up the pride for the entire agency. But it also, maybe it inspires somebody else to do something at a later date, right? Yeah, and we've had people reach out to us and say, hey, this person over here did this. And so, you know, they take pride in what their beat partners and their um, peers are doing. Uh, And we're, we're excited to celebrate those things. And I'm assuming most of this is put out on YouTube or on your social media uh, platforms, correct? Yeah, we put it out on YouTube, Facebook, LinkedIn. We blast it out everywhere we can. All right, so let's talk about I, I threw this one in here because I'm, I'm curious because we've dealt with this. Trolls, the people on the Internet that just have to constantly beat up the law enforcement agency for no, you know, for their own bias. How are you guys dealing with that? You know, we don't really have a a lot of that. We have some, and it does 
it can tend to be some of the same individuals, but it's yeah. not to a level where it has really drawn enough attention for us to need to respond to. Okay, that's good. Well, that's that's awesome. You guys are the heartland of the country. I mean, so you do tend to have you're, you're fairly the community itself is fairly conservative community Midwest, correct? The Midwest is Indianapolis is not. Okay. Okay. Well, I learned something new today. Um, yeah, Indiana's pretty. Indiana's a pretty conservative state, but Indianapolis is uh, more liberal. Okay, Shane, is there a question that you would have liked for me to ask, and, and how would you have answered it? Oh wow, put me on the spot here. Um, you know, one of the things I kind of thought you were going to ask is like, what was one of the biggest surprises? Well, that's coming. As a new PIO, that's coming. Uh, <laughs> I think that for me. You know, I'm a law enforcement professional who's thrown into the communications world, uh, whereas a lot of our, our peers are communications professionals who thrown into the law enforcement world. Uh, but I was really surprised by the amount of work that PIOs do with communicating with the media every day, uh, all day, and it's just nonstop. Uh, and when we have people come in to do details of their office, they're like, man, you guys do a lot more than just talk on the news and I'm like, yes we do <laughs> yeah it's not just sending yes, out do. a news release right it's not you know it, it's, right it's not just about it's not just about facebook and twitter and and talking to the media a couple times a day yeah all right so here's another question for you your your time in the in the unit what is your typical time that you serve in the in the unit as a sworn supervisor because i'm sure you guys rotate in and out yeah, we have, and seems to be the the length of service tends to be about two years. Okay, uh, so I've reached that, but I'm I feel feel like I'm still going in stride, and uh, I'm not looking to go anywhere in the immediate future. Well, that's good to hear because you guys are doing a great job there, and every time, you know, I'm always watching other people's social, and and I, I really like what you guys do and the way you present everything from your community engagement in the agency, as well as if you put arrest information out there or in general, what you guys do across the board, it's, it, you guys do a great job. Well, I appreciate that. You know, one of the things that we do uh, the same is we, we go out and look at what other agencies are doing and we see what we like, we've seen what maybe we didn't like as much. And then we try to, we try to emulate the things that we do like um, to bring back to, to our processes. Right. So as a, this was a different question for the one that you, you proposed for yourself is what would you, what would advice would you have for somebody coming in to your position as either the supervisor or a new PIO? You know, I think find opportunities for training. Uh, mm -hmm. I had an opportunity to go to the IACP PIO mid-year, you know, my first year as a PIO and I was able to make connections gain skills, learn some of the do's and don'ts of communication and interviewing and media relations and social media. And then I was able to reach out to some of those peers when we had incidents. So find opportunities to, to get training. And sometimes it costs money, uh, but maybe there's opportunities just to go out and meet other PIOs and they can tell you what, what they've learned from, you know, we, we all make mistakes and that's, one of the best ways to learn or learning from other people's mistakes. 
absolutely. And like you said, you found stuff somewhere else, and and you can always, uh, what is the the phrase is plagiarism the highest form of flattery. Um, when it comes to <laughs> you know it is because you find things that other agencies are doing, and you want to bring them into your agency because wow, you're like holy cow, those are that's a great idea. Yeah, and we've become we've been become consumers of what other people are doing. When we see a crisis situation, we're on Twitter watching what those agencies are doing. We're on Facebook and watching their uh, press conferences live and seeing what we liked and seeing what we didn't like, and then having discussions as a team and saying, you know, th- this is what what they did. Let's talk about how we would apply the same situation here in Indianapolis. Hopefully, it doesn't happen, but if it does what would we do? Right. And let's talk about it. Let's walk through those steps. So that way, if it does, we're a little bit more prepared. Absolutely. If you don't watch what other people are doing, you're, you're doomed to make the same mistake eventually. If it, if that type of incident comes your way. Absolutely. All right. So let's go into some rapid fire questions. All right. Sure. Texting or talking. Texting, but. Sometimes you just need to pick up the phone and have a conversation. I did that today with somebody because I knew it wasn't going to matter if I texted. Coffee or tea? Coffee. Adult beverage of choice? That's easy. Seven and seven. If you had a superpower, what would it be? I'd say invisibility. You know, if you ever think that somebody says, you know, I wish I was was a fly on the wall for that conversation. (laughs) Yeah. That applies. I get it. Favorite sport? Uh, soccer. I've been a soccer official for uh, over 20 years, so I've got to stick with that. All right. Who's your favorite pro team then? Uh, I'm going to say I don't have a favorite pro team. Okay. I have uh, – I kind of focus on the officials. Okay. So uh, – Good enough. That's all right. Yeah. Is there a book or author who had an influence on you? I think I would say particularly as, as it applies to law enforcement, emotional survival for law enforcement. Okay. I think that applies exceptionally for police officers, but really anybody who works in the law enforcement field and the spouses and family members who work in law enforcement. It's a good book. Yep. It was required reading for uh, a lot of supervisors in my former agency. Um, ask permission or beg forgiveness? Beg for forgiveness. It's a PIO's way, man. It really is. If you could have coffee with any historic figure, who would you choose? Yeah, I gave it some thought, and I really couldn't come up with anybody famous, but I would say my mom. That's famous for you. That's awesome. I love that. Incredibly famous. Final thoughts. What key points would you like our listeners to take away from the interview? Yeah, learn from others. Go out and find what other people are, what other agencies are doing well, what things they, they aren't doing well. Develop networks. That way, you, if something happens within your agency, you have a way to some resources to, to build off of that. Anything you'd like to add into this conversation that we're having today? You know, in this day and age, I would be remiss if I didn't say that we are recruiting. We're hiring both new officers and laterals. So if anybody's interested in, in coming to Indianapolis, we've got a signing bonus. Uh, let us know. Make sure you send me a link, and I'll make sure I put it in the show notes. Will do. How could people best reach out if they want to connect and talk about maybe possibly coming to work for IMPD? Yeah, uh, email is shane.foley at indy.gov. I'm on Twitter and uh, LinkedIn. And I will add all of that into the show notes. Shane, thank you for coming on the show. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me.
that's all for this week. We hope you enjoyed this episode. On next week's episode of the PIO Podcast, we have Jennifer Lopez Husky, a public relations, marketing, social media, and former public information officer. Another huge thank you to the Social Media Strategies Summit for being a sponsor of the PIO Podcast. Join their First Responders Summit this April or their Government Summit this May. Learn more about confirmed speakers and programming at socialmediastrategiessummit.com and use promo code PIO Podcast for 10% off of your registration. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast to get notified of the latest episode. If you are listening on a platform that allows reviews, please give us a review. We appreciate any review, good or bad. It helps us improve on each episode. Until next time, be safe.